Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hello, hello to everyone out there listening today. How are you all today? I wanted to just, before I begin, just talk to those of you who have just been affected yet again by more mandates that have just been passed down, this time again here in Queensland. Um, I know that they've just mandated um, this vaccination now for the teachers, early childhood workers, and um, I think people that work in detention centres and a few other things. I know that this is affecting an awful lot of people um, right now. And a lot of you are, you know, just worried. And um, and I, again, just want you to know that I'm thinking of all of you. I'm, um, yeah, I'm kind of gutted along with everyone else. Um, for me, you know, obviously I know so many teachers. I'm not in a school at the moment, but I know so many. And this is plain out wrong. There's just no other way that I can say it. And I feel like I'm in a time warp, like this can't be happening. Um, so anyway, I guess today's episode's kind of um, kind of fitting in that I want to talk about something known as group think. And I want to pose some really challenging questions to all of us today um, around this whole idea of group think and group conformity. Because I think that this is actually the biggest pandemic going on right now. I think that the government have used and are using this strategy of groupthink right now to get everyone to conform to what they want us to do. They're using the strategy of groupthink to coerce people to do all sorts, to wear masks, lock us down, vaccinate us, and now to make us lose our jobs if we, it's like we're being punished. No, it's not like we are. We are being punished for not joining in on their group think. Um, And that's what I want to pull apart today because this is the thing. Group think has never led, it's never ended well. It's actually led to some of the greatest disasters in history. And I can't understand how we can be repeating history right now so blindly and not not knowing, not under, not not seeing what we've seen so many times before, and I'll give you some of those examples as we go. But groupthink actually has dangerous consequences. So, what is groupthink? Basically, and I'll give you a few different kind of um, explanations to help you understand it. Although it's pretty kind of explanatory from the name, but it's basically when a group is directed to think a certain way by controllers, which in this case would be the government. Uh, within the group who steer the group towards certain conclusions, giving the false impression that a consensus was arrived at democratically. You can see how that's happening right now. A certain group that are controlling the way the rest of the group supposedly the conclusions they're meant to come to, which gives everyone else the false impression that it was been it was arrived at democratically when it wasn't. It's really what happens when you lose your individual ability to think by agreeing with and fitting in with the group and even being punished if you don't, which is exactly what is happening right now. 
It's being deluded to agree on certain assumptions on the basis that everyone else seemed to think that it was a good idea. And what groupthink does is it mentally shortcuts past the normal healthy process of examining risks and alternatives and just assuming that everyone else must have done that for us. So it's kind of lazy in a way as well. Now, there are many examples of groupthink that happen in society all the time, you know, and it's, you'll know when it's happening because it's when you feel pressured to say or believe certain things in order to go with the flow or fit in. So in 2020, the biggest example of this was the Black Lives Matters uh, posting of the tile on social media. That's the most recent example other than what's happening now. So basically it was post a black tile or you're racist, even if you're not. Do what we say, or we'll label you and judge you, and you'll be punished. Are you getting the drift? Does it sound familiar? So I want to ask us all something really challenging. I'm asking it of you, and I'm asking it of me. Are you prone to be a victim of groupthink? Because this is the very reason I started this podcast Because I could see that so many people, young people in particular, but really all people, are vulnerable to groupthink without understanding that consequences come with it, both personal consequences and consequences to society as a whole. And the opposite of groupthink is something you will always hear me talking about here on the podcast for the past almost two years, and that is to think for yourself to think critically. You would have heard me say for the past two years, things like think ahead, think for yourself. What's the fruit? What's the price? What are the consequences? And to be honest, it's not the group thinkers who change the world. It's the freedom thinkers, those who think for themselves, who refuse to go along with the status quo, who change the world. They're the ones who are the heroes. But usually at the time, They're not considered the heroes. They're often considered the betrayers. Let's look at a really good example of history in history. Let's look at Galileo. I'm sure most of you would know a little bit about Galileo, but most people in his time believed that the earth was the center of the universe and the sun and the planets all revolved around the earth. Now, while he was working in Italy, he was introduced to this instrument called the spyglass, which is really kind of like binoculars. So it was a device that made distant things appear close. Now, usually the spyglass was used to watch ships come in, but Galileo decided to turn it up heavenward to the skies. And that's when he started discovering things uh, where he realized that what everyone was saying about the universe was actually not the truth. One of the things was everyone believed that the, the moon was smooth. But when he looked at it through his spyglass, he realized it's not smooth at all, but it had mountains and valleys and crevices. Now, he, he, he actually improved upon the spyglass and made a telescope. And from his observations, he started backing an old and very, very minutely believed in theory that the earth and the planets actually revolved around the sun, not the earth. So he started publishing papers about his theory that the earth was actually sun-centric, not earth-centric, and the legal body of the Catholic Church actually brought charges against him. He was charged with heresy for coming against the teachings of the church. 
Now, by the way, this was punishable by death. But let me stop here and ask you a question. If you were Galileo, what would you have done? When the whole of the church and most other scientists and most of the people around you and everyone you knew, your friends, your family, all of them believed that the world revolved around the earth. It was a deeply held belief. But you, you had done your own thinking, your own observation, your own research, and you came to a different conclusion, that they were wrong and that the world was sun-centric. What would you have done knowing that you would lose friends, knowing they'd probably think you're crazy, knowing that people would label you a heretic, knowing that you were going against what everyone else was saying, including the Catholic Church, and knowing that if you continued you could be punished even to death. What would you have done? What would I have done? It's challenging, isn't it? Would you have caved, folded? Would you have censored yourself and just kept quiet, backed down, said nothing, gone along with the crowd, become a victim of groupthink, been too scared to say what you really believe to be true? Or are you Galileo? Am I Galileo? We all like to think that we are Galileo, but but are we? Are you? We can only judge ourselves by our own behavior. Are you courageous like Galileo? Do you refuse to fold, cave, back down and fit in when you know something to be true? Um, And this doesn't just have to apply to what's happening right now in society. This can apply to so many different things because we are conditioned in our society to actually fit in, not rock the boat, believe the science, rah, rah, rah. You know, just look at anyone daring to question the government right now. Now, if Galileo was labeled a heretic, if you question, then you're labeled an anti-vaxxer. If he was hauled before the Roman courts, then you and I are being hauled before the shame of public opinion. Just last week, I was having a really honest conversation with um, our local cafe owners. You know, Cameron and I go there all the time. We are great supporters of all things local and really supportive of the girls that run the cafe. And they're really gutted about the looming December 17 mandates right now. And you know, um, one of the, one of them that owns the cafe just stopped and chatted and she's like, Renee, we just, this is ridiculous. You know, as a cafe, we're being told by the government what we can and can't do. We've suffered enough through COVID, but this is just going to reduce our business again. Besides the fact that they don't want to look people in the eye who they love and have known for a long time and go, you're not allowed in here. Since when is segregation okay in Australia? Since when is it okay to look at someone for any reason and say, you're not allowed here. And she's so gutted. And then she goes, but you know what doesn't make sense? Just up the road, there's a food court, also a place where people eat in even bigger groups than what can fit into their cafe. And guess what? No restrictions. She's like, maybe we should change our name to food court and then we'll be fine. The stupidity is blinding. Oh, it's to keep us safe, says the government. Oh, it's to keep us safe, say the virtue signalers on Facebook. Because this is what groupthink does. It has everyone pretending that something is true, that upon examination and reflection is not so. Not being allowed to eat at a cafe, but then drive two minutes up the road and go and sit and eat in a massive food court? 
How's that keeping us safe? If you think that's keeping us safe, then think again. Like, it is not... Like, if anyone thinks that's keeping them uh, people safe, then they've literally got no ability to think for themselves because that's just clearly doesn't make sense. Let's look at this whole new strain that's just come through, o- Omicron. I literally cannot take that seriously. It sounds like a flippin' alien or a transformer. Now, we've got five cases detected in hotel quarantine here in Queensland. Oh, no, panic. You know, you look at the um, you look at the Courier Mail um, headlines. You know, it talks about the 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 mad rush of the of the leaders trying to you know beat the clock against Omicron. Um, and then the federal government now, because of our five cases here, and I think that's about I don't even think there's any cases anywhere else. They've put a pause on our borders opening. And what would all the group thinkers think? Good job, government. Keep Australia safe. But what would the independent critical thinkers ask? They would start to ask questions. And it should be okay for us to ask questions. Things like, if everyone coming into Australia is vaccinated, then how did Omicron come in? It had to be vaccinated people, right? Which means clearly the vaxxed can get and spread COVID. So how is it keeping anyone safe to keep the unvaccinated away but allow the vaccinated anywhere if they are also spreading it and catching it. And that, um, you know, then we question, well, why the border pause? If 90% of Australians over 16 are double vaxxed, which according to Scott Morrison's Instagram they are, then what's the problem? Didn't the government say 90% vax is our way out of this? But we're not out, are we? We've just had our borders paused again. And Health Minister Greg Hunt said in the Sydney Morning Herald, I think it was, that we are well prepared for any variants and that our um, with our vax rate and that hospitals are also well prepared. But I, I just find that to be a lie. How can you say we're well prepared with your mouth and then contradict that in the same breath with your actions of shutting the borders. And then on top of that, they're encouraging boosters. So why aren't we allowed to ask the question, what does it mean to be fully vaxxed? Is it two? Is it three? Is it four? What does it mean? And then if we de- the, the other thing they're saying is we have to decrease the time between the second and the third. Notice it's just assumed now that we're all going to go get the third. And, and where they were saying, oh, maybe kind of six months, now they're saying that has to be reduced. But what? What do you mean? How quickly after the second do we have to have the third? Five months? Four months? The UK are now saying three months. So can't we ask the question, how ineffective are these vaccines really that they last less than six months? But groupthink would go, thank you. Thank you, government, for keeping me safe. I feel so safe. Let me um, just explore a little further this this groupthink phenomenon, which has been studied in psychology for decades, more than that, like hundreds plus years. There was a man called Solomon Ash, A-S-C-H, and he conducted an experiment where he wanted to investigate the extent to which social pressures from a majority group could affect a person to conform. Now, although this experiment was done in 1951, it's actually still regarded as a classic experiment in social psychology. 
So what they did is they got 50 male students from a college in the USA to participate in a vision test. And this uh, this guy, Ash, he put one naive or real participant in a room with seven others uh, who were kind of acting. He called them confederates or stooges. So these acting people had all agreed in advance what their response would be to this visual test, which was like a group of lions. I'll explain it in a moment. So they all agreed what their answer was going to be, and it was going to be the wrong answer. But of course, the real participant had no idea and was led to believe that everyone in the room weren't real participants. So they put up on the screen a picture of three vertical lines that were all different lengths and underneath they were labeled A, B and C. And then next to it, they put a target line and they went around the room and they asked every person to state aloud which one of those lines, A, B or C, was the most similar in length to the target line. Now, the answer was always really obvious, but what happened is everyone went around the room and gave, purposely gave the wrong answer, and they all agreed on the wrong answer, by the way. So say the answer was B, they all said A. Then the real person, the real participant was left till last. Now, this is what was so interesting. He was interested to see if the real participant would conform to the majority of view. And the findings were amazing. So he measured the number of times each participant conformed. And over the critical trials, about 75% of the real participants conformed at least once. And get this, only 25% never conformed. When they were interviewed afterwards and asked why they did or didn't pick the right answer, Most of them said they didn't really believe their conforming answers, but they'd gone along with the group for fear of being ridiculed or thought peculiar. And a few said they actually really did believe the group's answers were correct. So the conclusion was that people conform for two reasons. One, to fit in, so they're not ridiculed or or made to feel weird or different. And secondly, because they think, oh, the group must be better informed and, and know more than what I do. Now, of course, there are limitations to that study. They only use 50 men. Uh, you know, they should have used more of a variety. But it's still a, a test that's been done over and over with the same findings. So let me ask you this. If you were a person in that experiment, what would you have done if you were a participant? Because it is really uncomfortable being the only person in a group where you have to raise your hand and say that you see things differently. But like I said before, and what do I always say? Let's look, let's look back in order to look forward. Groupthink has never ended well. There's so many consequences to groupthink. Because if a group is always required to think the same as each other, it really means that they're refusing to see other points of view. It means that they become entrenched in their own correctness. And it becomes more important for you, the individual, to adapt to the norm than for you to voice your opinion, which is crazy because the whole purpose of the group is to think better together. But that whole purpose is undermined because the group loses their ability to view things from different angles because anyone with a different point of view is ignored or ridiculed. And so independent thinking stops. Now let's look at some of the history behind group think. It's actually led to many disasters you know, moments where afterwards people say, did no one really see this coming? 
Why did no one point out the risks? Why didn't anyone intervene? People just stood passively by, watched what was happening, and either they did nothing or they did the wrong thing. So, you know, you think the group is on the right track because they're all in complete agreement, which is really quite dangerous. And you tend to seek the group agreement despite your individual doubts. Now, a great example of this, have you guys heard of the Challenger Space Shuttle? Um, I Okay, now I'm going to show my age. I was alive when the this incident happened and I remember watching it on TV. I don't know if I was watching it live or if I watched it later on TV. I'd say it was the next day because it, this happened in America. But this space shuttle was sent into space with a seven, I say seven man crew, but one of the reasons it was so widely watched is because for the first time they were sending up ordinary civilians as well. And one of them was a female teacher who was going to go up into space and teach classes from up in space. And so everyone was excited. And, um, There was so much anticipation that everyone was watching it around the world, either on TV live or there were thousands of people actually present. So it took off and about, I can't remember how long in, maybe a few minutes in, everything was going well. And then all of a sudden people could still see the rocket, the entire thing just exploded. Everyone was kind of confused, like what's going on? And then reality sunk in that everyone on board immediately perished. The whole thing exploded. Now, this went down as one of the greatest disasters in American history. And of course, there's huge reviews, there's movies made about it. And they found out later that the engineers of the space shuttle, they knew, they knew about some faulty parts months before takeoff. And they knew that these parts had not um, performed well when they were tested through certain temperatures. They'd been, in fact, there had been, I, I think from memory, there were rockets before where similar things had happened because of these O-rings that couldn't um, uh, stand particular temperatures. So these engineers tried to warn all of the uh, NASA that their launch would not be a success in such low temperatures. But NASA, what did they do? Not one person in the group heeded the engineers. They groupthink took over, they overlooked it, they ignored it, and they were all pressured into agreeing that the launch day should go ahead. And of course, it was disastrous. Another example, of course, would be World War II. How could so many people think it was okay to slaughter more than 6 million Jews? How can that happen? unless individuals lose their ability to think for themselves. What about some everyday examples of groupthink? Because this is actually hitting us from so many different angles, and I've podcasted quite a few of these issues. But there are so many societal issues right now where groupthink has pressured us to keep quiet. For example, transgender women should be allowed to compete against biological women in sports. Or Children should be allowed to choose their gender without parental consent. That is, that is so widely accepted. It's on the Victorian education website. Um, another one, if you vote against same-sex marriage, then you must be a homophobe or a bigot. Uh, another one would be that men can become women and women can become men. You heard Izzy and I do one a little while ago on that. If you put in the question, can can a man give birth? The first thing that comes up is yes. What? What? 
We all know that's an example of groupthink. Now, of course we know men can't give birth, but when Google says it, gee, maybe we're wrong. So any ideas where you must agree with the group and never question or speak out or you'll be punished. And what groupthink does is it prevents the real questions from being answered. You know, so if I think of all the, the, the examples I just gave, why can't we ask questions like, is it best for a child to grow up with two dads or two mums? Or is it disadvantaging biological women from competing against transgender women in sport? Or what if that eight-year-old was not allowed to change genders, but a wait-and-see approach was taken, since we know that over 70% change their mind once if they're just left and, and not intervened? Why can't we ask those questions? But groupthink pressures us because we don't want to be ridiculed or be the, the ones that stand out. And that's exactly what is happening right now. Don't ask the real questions. Don't ask things like, do we know the long-term data on safety of these vaccines? Don't ask what would be the survival rate of COVID for most age groups where we just to kind of let it rip through society, I guess. Like, you know, what what actually, who really would we need to protect Um don't ask how many Australians are getting the vaccine because of actual forceful coercion to keep their job. Don't ask why do we need a booster after six months or less, or why in the Sydney Morning Herald yesterday did Greg Hunt say that they want to decrease the times? So like, don't ask those questions. Don't ask what does this really say about the true efficacy of vaccines? Because if we ask any of those questions, then we're made to feel like we're selfish. And that's a really big one that I've been hearing, that if you don't just follow in with groupthink, you're selfish. And that's just not the case. Okay, so where I want to land this, because I want to kind of be helpful by the end, I want to look at eight symptoms of groupthink. So it will help you to identify groupthink. And then I want to look at um, some ways to avoid getting caught up in the groupthink or the herd thinking is another way of... um, another thing that it's called. Okay. So here, excuse me, here are the eight symptoms of groupthink. So number one, um, there's an illusion of invulnerability. So in other words, those doing the group thinking, they've got this false sense of, oh, wait for it, safety. Um, They ignore danger. They take extreme risks and are overly optimistic. Hmm. That's very fitting. Number two, there's collective rationalization. So that means that the members of the group think will discredit and explain away any warnings contrary to what the group think. Oh, that's certainly happening. Number three, there's a belief in inherent morality. See if you recognize this one. That's when the members believe in the rightness of their cause and therefore they ignore the ethical or moral uh, consequences of their decisions. So um, they're probably almost, I'd almost say too, that that's a part of being superior. They feel like they're morally superior. We're certainly seeing that. Okay, number four, they stereotype any views of the the out group. So they stereotype views of those that are not part of their group think. Um, they construct negative stereotypes uh, to make them, I guess, look um, 
to, to, to strip their credibility, I guess. Number five, they put direct pressure on dissenters. So the members pressure anyone in the group who expresses arguments against what the group are, are saying. Um, they, they put pressure on people who go against the group's illusions or commitments, viewing that as, you know, disloyalty, or in this case, we're getting told we're selfish. Number six, self-censorship. So that means that if there are members in the, in the group who hold dissenting views, they withhold them. They withhold their views and their counter arguments. Number seven, there's actually an illusion of unanimity. I can't say this word, unanimity. So that means that members perceive falsely that everyone agrees with the group's decision and silence is seen as consent. Like, my goodness, how much are we seeing that? So, you know, there's just this, this perception that, oh, everyone agrees. And because everyone thinks everyone else agrees, they just go quiet which is very much what's happening now, Most, although although we are starting to see a lot more people um, starting to speak up. And then number eight, the mind guards are appointed. So some members appoint themselves to the role of protecting the group from adverse information that might threaten, you know, the rest of the group from, from also kind of changing their minds. So that's kind of the eight different symptoms. If you see those things happening, then groupthink is definitely happening. So um, here are some ways to avoid getting too caught up in that. Firstly, be aware of the consequences if and when the group is wrong. That's really important. Okay. So, and, and that's something that I talk about, even, you know, like I, when I talk about, um, you know, um, small children being able to change their gender, for example, you know, just be aware of the consequences if the group are wrong. Another thing to do is to always seek out alternative viewpoints that disagree with your own so that you keep an open mind. Because what you don't want happening is you then become uh, a group thinking another way, just in an opposing way. So seek out alternative viewpoints to challenge yourself to keep an open mind. Thirdly, see if you can poke holes in your own arguments. So look at your ideas from the other side to better understand your own incentives. So try and almost argue with yourself and find reasons why your views might be wrong. Um, fourthly, um, prepare to make mistakes. Like don't get so stuck in your ways that you have to be right. So be humble and be willing to admit that perhaps you might have got caught up too much in the way you're thinking. And so be prepared to admit that you might have made mistakes as well. Um, another thing you can do is to talk your ideas through with a trusted outside source that will give you honest feedback. That can be really hard to do right now, but I know recently I've had quite a few young people coming to me and like, help, can you help me talk through this? Um, because they trust that I'm not actually going to tell them what to do, but I'm going to tell them to do what I do, which is to think for myself and do my own research and ask my own questions. And then I say to them, search your heart and search your gut. What is your gut saying? Block your ears for a minute to everyone else's opinion. What do you feel is right in your heart and your gut? Go and do that. And I've given that advice many times. So there you go. Um, so that is the big challenge, I guess, is to in 
not just what's happening in society right now, but when it comes to anything, when it comes to looking at the world through our biblical worldview, are we standing up for truth or are we too afraid to because we don't want to stand out because a group think? So that is a huge challenge to all of us um, and one that I want to leave with all of us today and also to allow other people, like allow other people to have their opinions too. Like I know people have vastly different opinions to me and that's completely okay as well. As long as they're not forcing their opinion on me and I won't force my opinion on them. So don't become a part of the, the group think, you know, so much so that you are forcing your opinions on other people. Give other people space and grace to, to think for themselves. I guess what I find frustrating though is when people have really strong opinions, but when I ask them a few questions, I can tell that they're literally spitting out a groupthink answer, not an answer that they've come to the conclusion of themselves by researching, asking questions and thinking. That's probably where I get the most frustrated. So don't be someone that just adopts an opinion because everyone else says it's so. So don't fall into that trap. All right, guys, come and join me on Friday. I'm going to talk about Christmas. I've had um, someone ask me, and I thought it was a great idea, ask me about what I did when it came to talking to my kids about Father Christmas and, um, you know, all, all of those kinds of things. Like, do we do we lie to them? That's probably one of the, the biggest questions. So, yeah, anyway, I'll see you on Friday. Bye.